0: As United Methodists, we stand on the threshold of a week that is of great significance. This is the week of our general conference, where major decisions will be made about the future of our denomination. This morning, I finished the sermon series that I've been presenting, uh, the three-sermon series that uh, we've entitled... A Way Forward for the United Methodist Church, based on the committee that the General Conference created for studying A Way Forward. This morning, I want to take you again into a deep look at the authority of God's Word, regardless of what you read and hear this week about the General Conference The issue before our church is the authority of the Word of God in the United Methodist Church. Other issues uh, are there. The the issue of of what clergy will be permitted to to do relative to marriage, uh, gender issues, all of that. But the major issue is what... Do we as United Methodists believe about the word of God? This morning I have a lot of scripture for you, important scripture. I urge you to write it down. You will not remember this, but it is important scripture when you become involved or embroiled in dialogue with people about the authority of scripture. Scripture. So let me help you. I've done the research, I've prepared for this moment, and I want you to know what this is. And so I just need to say to you folks, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Now when someone makes that kind of a statement, it's usually spoken with exasperation. And often with exaggeration, the voice rises. Sometimes there are great gestures uh, that accompany it. But it all means one thing. I don't want to tell you again. I've told you at least a thousand times. Let me ask you this question then. How about saying the same thing more than 3,800 times. How do you feel about that? How about saying the same thing more than 3,800 times to make your point? Well, folks, that's the number of times in the Old Testament alone the word is referred to as God's word. 3,800 times in the Old Testament, the writers referred to their work as the words of God. And the New Testament is permeated with pronouncements that Scripture is the word of God. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. Inspiration means breathed in. It means breathed in. The Greek word is is pneuma for spirit. It's It's the root of our word pneumatic, the breathed in, the air of God, the Holy Spirit breathed into prophets, the content and subject of scripture. And then he used their vocabulary to communicate his word. There is no better description, definition, or declaration about Scripture than the one that we find the Apostle Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy. Here it is, it's 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. No better definition of Scripture exists than that which is in the Word itself. 2 Timothy three sixteen. John Stott, a great Bible scholar, has said basic balanced Christianity recognizes the Bible is a divine book imprinted with the Word of God. I believe the words of Scripture are without error. I believe they are without error. Listen, God does not lie. God does not lie. He cannot speak falsely. Here's some more scripture for you from Paul's letter to Titus, chapter one, verses one and two. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which according to godliness In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. And this scripture from John 14, 2, where Jesus said that, he was going to leave his disciples and that he was going away from them for the purpose of preparing heaven. Listen to this. Many of you have asked me to include this in Scripture for the funerals of your dear ones. And I have, and I've preached from this text in their funerals many times. Here's this word, John fourteen two: In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. God does not lie. His word is absolute. It's perfect. It is exactly the word that he wants us to know and understand. Gregory the Great said the authors of Scripture are the pen of the Spirit. The authors of Scripture are the pen of the Spirit. Well today, churches are encased by culture. Their leaders view Scripture through cultural lenses, personal tendencies, interests, and desires. We know from from serious historical study that ancient Jewish culture is known to have been homophobic. Ancient Jewish culture is known to have been homophobic. Therefore, it is argued by some today, even within our own denomination, that texts condemning homosexuality should be dismissed as of the mind of man and not God, But let's not just focus on that. Let's look at another area where we toy with the texts. American Christians today, wanting to maintain luxurious and wasteful lifestyles, suggest biblical passages about wealth being used for kingdom purposes reflect lower class prejudice. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 brings arguments like those to a head. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed to us and to our sons forever, that they may observe all the words of the law. Now my text today is supported by an eyewitness account. One who had been With Jesus. His name is Peter. You remember how Jesus invited Peter to fish with him. For a catch greater than Peter's boats ever carried from the sea. Wavering, impetuous Peter, Jesus said, would become rock solid. He would become foundational to the church. And Peter would preach Christ as risen Redeemer until his own death. So I want to take you now to Peter's inspired words in 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's remembering when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and he saw the glory of the Son of God. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father... Such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. He establishes himself in the letter. Reminds the readers that he had been with Jesus. He was an eyewitness of his glory. An eyewitness of his authority. And now he writes. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. To which you do well to pay attention. As to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So convinced and convicted about God's revelation through Christ. Peter presented powerful points about the authority of the word of God. Experience is very valuable. But scripture is greater than my experience and yours. Scripture is greater than anyone's experience. Only the word of God is reliable. Verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. The prophetic word here means all of the Old Testament, all of the Holy Scripture that came before Peter. A prophet's task, the prophetic word, a prophet's task was to speak and write for God. Peter was saying to the believers of of the the church, of his day. The Holy Spirit is, is speaking through these words of Peter to the church this morning. Pay attention to the scripture. Pay attention to the scripture. There are many false teachers around. The dark murkiness of the world can keep you from seeing the truth. He warns that the dark murkiness of the world can keep you from seeing the truth. He says, you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. When things are dark and murky, don't you try to illuminate that space so that you can see, have a clear way forward. Peter says the word of God is intended to be that illumination, that brightness, that light for your pathway. In fact, you can read that very phrase in the Psalms. Your word is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my pathway. We go to verse 20. And Peter says, know this, first of all, no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation." You know what interpretation means in the ancient language? It means to untie or loose the truth. No one who speaks the truth of God does it in isolation. No one who speaks the truth of God can do that without the whole context of the word. Verse 21, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The Bible is not the product of human effort. The Bible is not the product of human effort. It does not exist because men wanted it. The word of God was born by the Holy Spirit to those through whom God spoke and presented his will for the world. The Bible, friends, is not a best guess. The Bible is not a best guess or someone's private opinion. The same Spirit who guided the prophets to write Scripture guides us today. Do you realize the honor, the distinction? The position and the prestige that 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 gives us. That the same spirit, the same God who spoke to the writers of the Old Testament and the new and, and led the leaders of the church across centuries is the same spirit that can speak to you. The Bible says our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He does not alter his word. He does not modify his instructions. Don't ever believe that the Bible has changed. When you became a member of this church, the first question I asked you or the pastor who was here ahead of me, asked some of you, was this. Do you believe the Bible to be the word of God? And that therein only is revealed the way of salvation? And do you take the word to be your rule of faith and conduct? There was not a one of you who said no. Every one of you said yes. How are you doing with that? The historic examination of persons ordained for United Methodist Ministry asks this. Here's the question I was asked. Pastors Bish and Richardson were asked it, are you persuaded that the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments contain all things necessary for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and are the unique and authoritative standard for the church's life? In my class of ordinance, Not a one of us said no. And in every class of ordinance that I have observed over the last 50 years, no one has ever said no to that. But we're playing games with it today across our church, even though we have vowed what you just heard. And after that question is asked of ordinands, here's the next one I was asked, and ordinands are still asked, will you defend the United Methodist Church against all doctrines contrary to God's word? Every United Methodist pastor, and bishops come from the pastorate, so every every clergy member to the highest Bishop in the church has answered that question. Will you defend the United Methodist Church against all doctrines contrary to God's word? Never have I heard anyone say no. But I see them acting the no constantly. People have said to me, some of you over the years have said to me, I wish God would speak to me like you say he speaks to you. If only I could hear from God directly. If only I could could hear his voice, then I would be more sure. Then I would believe more strongly. Then I would be a a, a better Christian. Really. Really, folks. Well, God wants that for you too. He really does. God wants that for you too. And if you desire him and seek him, you will hear God. It's just that clear and, and simple. When you transact business, and many of you are operating in the business world and, and at some very high levels in the business world, when when you transact your business how do you guarantee your word you use your voice to to make statements about arrangements and contracts and, and and agreements but how do you guarantee your word all right if you don't want to answer i'll go on it's not a trick question You put it in print and you sign it. You put your word in print and sign it. How often do you read love letters? When you've gotten a love letter, do you read it once and throw it away? I never did. I read that thing and read that thing and read that thing. My wife is, a, is away this weekend. This is the Humble Girls weekend away. And Pat sent me a love note this morning. I must have read it eight times already. How often do you read your love letters? Well, you know you read them often. Some of you even have kept love letters from years and years ago because they're that precious to you. We want to see the details of our relationships. We want to see the details of our business contracts. We want to see the details of, of the covenants of love in, in black and white. And, and any of you that, that, I've, that I have married, officiated at your weddings, Every one of you has among your wedding day keepsakes the very book that I used in your wedding because I want you to go back. It's personalized. I've put your names in it. I want you to go back across the years at your anniversaries and read those words. The words are so, so important. It's what you heard, but you need to see the words Two. Now, folks, that is why God's word, His call to you, is in the Bible with no shades of gray in absolute terms a word that has been written across the history of the world since day one. United Methodists. United Methodists. God has a way forward for your church. That way, is documented in black and white. How many times, United Methodists, does he have to tell you? Let's pray. Almighty God our Father, your word is clear that it is not for us to condemn or to justify. That belongs to you. We pray that those who hold to the authority of your word, who know its meaning, live with its power, experience, its promises fulfilled, will be the ones whose voices are clear and compelling, that they be become the leaders of our denomination and that we as United Methodists be led to be, again, a people of the word. I pray, O God, that your spirit hover over the convention center in St. Louis, Missouri, this week, where the delegates from across the world will assemble. I pray that gracious and, and loving interaction will occur between delegates of different opinions and persuasions. I pray, our Father, that ultimately we may represent your truth and your way and that your life will be evident in us and through us rather than the insistence on the way of the culture or the world. May your word be for us a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and take us on a way forward into the future that you have planned. For your kingdom through United Methodism. I pray this, O God, for your glory, your distinction, and your honor. Amen and amen.